Bibles with you, could you please uh, turn to uh, Luke chapter 10, please, if you've uh, got in front of you. That'd be fantastic. Thank you. So it's Luke uh, chapter 10 and uh, some interesting verses for us to uh, look at this morning. Uh, if you have a look at your new sheet, um, you'll see that I've uh, given to you um, a memory verse, which you'd like to use if you want to. I've also given you a quote. Um, if you ask me where I got it from, I can't remember. Um, but it goes something like this. Simplified living is about more than doing less. It's about being who God called us to be, a wholehearted, single-minded focus. And I've put on there, having a simplified life can be quite complicated. That's me. I think life is complicated. Let's just bow our heads in prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Amen. If you'd like um, just five words uh, to try and help you remember um, what I'm going to say to you this morning, they are top down, side to side. Can we all do that together? Because you did it for Richard, I saw you earlier on. Well, I didn't actually, now I can see you. Okay, so I don't know if you did the actions or not, but anyway, let's go top down, side to side. Brilliant. I even heard you as well. Fantastic. So, um, I've been thinking about <laughs> the message is Ian, don't wear a tie. I get it. All right. Uh, yeah, so top down, side to side. Um, that's the message for today. But over these next few weeks, I want us to uh, have a look at uh, this word called simplify. Um, it's going to be a series that will probably take us all the way up to, up to Lent. And I think um, a lot of questions come up about simplifying our lives. We live life to the full. And I was reading um, just recently the words of Jesus And he said, I have come that they, that's you, may have life, okay, and have it to the full. To the full. I haven't got any PowerPoint for you this morning. (laughs) Let's hope that this one works. Okay, so Jesus asked us to come, or he has come so that we might have life to the full. And way back in the day, I used to be able to uh, talk to the students. And I said, sometimes I don't like talking about death and the afterlife. I was a bit, ooh, Mr. Forsyth, I don't like that. So I said, well, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll have a bit of a game. So what I used to say to them was, uh, let's talk about life after life. But I used to do this really stupid noise. And it was, boop. And I won't do it again, but I will in a moment, just for effect. But I used to say, I live my life, I'm going to live my life, I'm going to live, I'm going to boop, I'm going to die, and I'm going to carry on living. 
So I'm going to live my life to the full. Now that's a promise that Jesus has given Christians. And I used to teach them and say to them that Christians would believe that Jesus Christ is their Lord and their Saviour and that their hope and their belief is that their life in him begins when they become a Christian. So they live their life to the full. They turn around from where they've been and then they walk with God. And then it's life after this life, eternity. And so that's what I used to teach them. But this morning, I want us to think about our lives now and simplicity or simplify. And as I was thinking about this, how do we learn things? How do we um, look after our finances? What about our family life? I don't know about you, but sometimes uh, family life goes really, really well, and just sometimes something happens and it just goes a little bit wobbly at times, okay? What about our relationships? What about our calendar? Oh, one thing we don't like talking about is our finances. But anyway, we have money. We can spend it. What do we spend it on? But simplified living, do we all have to go to a desert island to become have this simplified life. Who listens to, um, is it, do they still do that sort of 10 discs on an island type thing? They do their, do you have it? Desert Island discs. All right, okay, all right. Okay, some of you are fans of Radio 4, I see. So anyway, so anyway, there's that, all right? So there's this idea that one day there will be this paradise. And can you still take your Bible with you? Brilliant, I'm pleased to hear that. Good. Because it means those people on the island can read their Bible and remember what it was that I said or someone said to them. But anyway, well-being. So some of you may be into well-being, I don't know. But in the United States of America, a definition of well-being means the state of being comfortable, healthy and happy. The Collins Dictionary, I found this week, says the condition of being contented, healthy and a successful welfare. And some of you who really like to look at uh, statistics, I went on to um, the Office of National Statistics and it says there was a survey that was done between July 2016 to June 2017 and there were five points and I've just picked out two of them because it said the personal well-being in the United Kingdom of July 2016 to 17, it reported and it said the average rating of life satisfaction, the feeling that the things that we do in life are worthwhile and happiness increased slightly in the UK. Don't laugh. This is serious. Okay. The second point was, there were five points, but I've just chosen two. The second point was, there was no change in the average anxiety rating in the UK between 2016 and 2017. So that's the um, statistics. I've got no like, statistics to give to you, but those are the phrases that we use. But I think in all our lives, okay, if you'd like to take this bucket, I would like to be top to bottom, side to side, full. Everybody got that? Okay. So in my life, there are things that I want to put into it that would, that would be good. But I know that in my life, that sometimes becomes very close to empty. Very close to empty. This might not work here, but we'll go for it. There we go. So, I've got a question for you here, and a bit of participation. 
Now, I'll come up with exhaustion. If there's one thing in my life that depletes my bucket, it's exhaustion. Can anybody come up with anything that depletes things in their lives? Can they think of something that doesn't actually help them keep their bucket full? Any ideas? Oh, gosh. Okay, sorry, teenagers? Worry. Good, thank you. Anybody else? Oh, gosh, I should go over Discouragement? I tell you, put your hand out. Love it with the class. Sorry, what's that? Sorry? Overwork, yeah. Tragedy. Tragedy, yeah. Health, yeah, absolutely. There are lots of things, aren't there, that we're all familiar with and we know that deplete our bucket. So, there are things. I'd like to think that we could put into our bucket, okay, which actually replenish, that help for us to bring the bucket, bucket back up to full. And I've written down, okay, two or three things, or actually five things, actually, to be truthful. Uh, I've put here connecting with God is one of them, a time with a family, uh, satisfying work, recreation, and exercise. And so there are some people that would say that our lives are like a bucket and that we sometimes need to do different things and prioritise things. So this series is going to be us looking at different things to help us get to that area full. And I think it's very important that we understand that when I sort of talk about simplifying things that we do in our lives... Many of us, okay, when we are at the rock bottom, feeling the way that we are, we've got things that are going on in our lives, it's at those times where it feels like there are plates, and we need to ask God to help us, okay, to be replenished, okay, and it's difficult, even for some of us who are really, really busy, busy, and we're doing all sorts of things, that we try to sort of think, are there tweaks and changes that we can make? So the series is going to be about us asking God to help us simplify areas in our lives. And I thought I'd have a look at this morning um, these few um, verses uh, from Luke. And if you have a look at them, please, with me, um, I want to introduce you, please, to two sisters and to two teachers And I don't know about you, uh, but if you were to get two sisters together and two teachers, I don't know what the reaction would be in in your household. Um, Maybe it's a very positive thing, I don't know. But when two sisters get together. But I'd like you please to have a look at um, this uh, passage, please, with me. And I just want to draw out some thoughts for us this morning. Remember, the talk is about top, down, side to side. And we're looking at a very familiar passage. So, let's have a look at it. If you've got your Bibles with you, it says, And Jesus and his disciples were on their way. He came to a village, it was called Bethany. Now, he came to one house. There must have been a very large room to accommodate the disciples. There could well have been a kitchen. Ouch. I'm going to actually remind you that it's one house. Two sisters in two different locations. Okay, you've got Martha who's in the kitchen, who is busy doing all sorts of different things, and then you then have okay, Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, along with all the other disciples. And so, some of us who have heard this story before, 
may be thinking to themselves, ah, you've got someone who is really, really gifted here, Ian, uh, someone called Martha, who really likes working in the kitchen, and you've got someone who's really, really gifted at listening. Okay? Now, we've got all these sort of things going on. You've got uh, Martha, who's actually doing all the preparation of the food in the kitchen or in the, in the pantry or whatever it was, what it was called in those days. But you've got Jesus going to one house. And then Martha, it says in the Bible, it says she was distracted by all the preparations. And then it comes a moment. She says, she comes to the Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her, okay, to help me. Pause. What are you expecting Jesus to say? Okay, talk to the person next to you quickly. What do you think Jesus is going to say? Quickly, just talk to someone quickly next to you. All right, okay, let's come back then. Right then. Okay, just some of them, please. Just someone help me out. What do you think is actually going to happen next? I know it's in the back, but what do you think is going to happen next? Someone. Sorry? Absolutely, yeah. There's a bit. Would you think there's some anger in there from Martha? Frustration. There could well be some frustration. There could well be. Now, when I was looking at these uh, verses just this week and last little while, I've been looking at them again. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha. Then, in my Bible, because it's in red, it says, You are worried and upset about many things, but one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. I think Jesus is just simply reminding Martha, Jesus is talking to all the disciples. And what I think is happening here is, I began to sort of think about this again and again and again and again, okay, that I think... Luke, remember, is actually is drawing our attention to these two sisters in one house. And you've got almost a shock, I think, when I first thought about this. And that was that you've got Mary who is listening to Jesus and putting herself in an area where she would like to learn at the feet of Jesus. Now, a teacher at the time, because you'll come to this in a moment, when we'll look at another teacher in the beginning of this particular chapter, what it's all about, a teacher has to be, be, prepared, be prepared to learn things, to put them in a position where we can learn things. And it was, I think... The explosive idea that I had was the other day, and that was that Mary was behaving like a man. In that, she was putting herself in a place like all the other men there in the room with Jesus, and she was putting herself in a place that was saying, I want to learn something. 
And I think that Jesus came to this one house. He came to the one room. But in actual fact, Martha came into the same room to where Jesus was. And she was actually saying, or heard the words of Jesus saying, I want you to be in this one room with us to learn things. And I don't know whether you think this could be a possibility. Could this be a gospel message? Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Is this a gospel message? Is this something for you and for me? Can I put in here, Ian, Ian, you're worried and upset about many things, but one thing that is needed, it is Christ. Others have chosen what is better, and it may well be taken, it will not be taken away from her. There is, I think, a gospel message. I wonder if there's a place of admitting, believing, and confessing. I'll come back to that later. But I just want us now to go to the beginning of the uh, middle of the chapter, chapter 10, where it says, it talks about on one occasion. So we've got two sisters. Now we've got two teachers. Now I'm going to say to you, when I read this text, I think that Jesus is an outstanding teacher. And those of you who are teachers might get this as we, as we work our way through this. Just to remind ourselves that Luke, and the whole reason why he wrote this book was, many have undertaken in chapter one, he says, to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled. So we know that Jesus is the one who was promised that was going to come from the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, we know from Isaiah, we looked at that last week, 700 years before Christ, he was prophesied he was going to come. So he has come. Luke believes, all right, that he has come. Okay, he is the one, the saviour, has come to seek the lost. Then he says in verse 25, on this one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked. An expert in the law. I think he was a teacher. And then we've got the other teacher called Jesus. Now, I personally had a little thought about this, and I thought, would you test someone if you didn't already know something? There's a thought for you. Would you test someone who you respect and honour if you really didn't know that person? That's a thing for you to think about. Then this uh, says here in the text, he asked, that's the expert in the law, was asked, okay, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus right, says, what is written in the law? So here we've got an expert of the law, Jesus, almost saying to like a student, well, what's written in the book? What's written in the book? Now, we've got this, it almost came as a real revelation again to me this little while. It's the expert of the law who says, 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Those verses are taken from Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5. And those of you who know the Shema, it's the, it's the prayer that is whispered into every Jewish boy or girl that is actually is born. And it's one of those prayers which is said throughout their Jewish lives. So this expert in the law knew and could recite this verse to Jesus. And it goes on. And with all your mind and with all your love, your neighbour as yourself. So this expert of the law knew top to bottom, side to side. He knew that he had to love God. He knew that he had to serve others. And those of you who are reading through the Bible as I'm talking will say, well, just a minute, Ian, you are missing out the story of the Good Samaritan. Yes, that is the side to side bit. All right, that's the side to side bit. Then, as a teacher, remember, so this teacher's already got the expert of the law to tell him something that he already knows. And then he goes on to say, you have answered correctly. Now, I don't know about you, but praise as a teacher is something that's really great, which is encouraged. Teachers need to praise people and to say, well done. Then Jesus replied, do this and you will live. So here's a thought for you. Jesus has come to seek the lost. We are someone who is found this morning because of his amazing grace. We realise what Jesus has done for us on the cross. But those words from John chapter 10 and verse 10 say, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. So he is saying, do this and you will live. So he then goes on and he then talks about the story of okay, the Good Samaritan, which is all about loving thy neighbour. Now, he gets halfway through the lesson and I want to skip over the story of um, the uh, Good Samaritan because many of us know it. But then he goes on in verse 36. Jesus says, which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? So here is halfway through the lesson of Jesus talking about these two stories. He wants this expert of the law and us to know top to bottom, side to side. Halfway through, Jesus recaps. Then the expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And like a really great teacher, Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Then the expert of the law hears what he's got to do, but also here at the end of the lesson, for the, for this is now directed at the expert of the law, expert of the law, expert of the law, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. You've replied to Jesus, the expert of the law says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, with all your soul, but love your neighbour as yourself. So, 
you've got many distractions, but the only one thing is needed. Then he could say, instead of putting in there Mary, he could have said tax collector or tax, uh, sorry, um, religious expert has chosen what others have made chosen, what is, will, will be will be taken away from her. What I'm trying to say is, could that be transposed, not only just for Mary and for Martha, because I think that they knew top to bottom, side by side, we know okay, that they wanted to serve and be with Jesus, and we know that the expert of the law wanted to live a good life. But what has Jesus come to do? He has, give, he has come to give us life eternal. That is a hope that we all have today. And sometimes we don't like admitting that we have done things that are wrong. There are some times that we actually don't maybe like sharing our faith. But I can encourage you today that we are people who have been asked to do both things, I believe. We need to think about and to pray about our vision for the church. And I want to say thank you for all those things that you have given to the church leadership team to pray over, but also to action. There is a commitment both from you as a congregation, me as your minister, to be someone who will get it right in the sense that we want to understand that it is Jesus top to bottom and side to side. The vision that we have isn't just to pray but it is to love unconditionally all those who do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Saviour. And there's an invitation today to you and to me. Like Jesus reminded Martha, are there things that we know that are not right? Can we say this morning that we are full or empty or are we somewhere in the middle? And I think one of the things that we need to recognise is that there are things that we can do so that we can be full of God and connected to have that hope. So our vision, and my hope is for us as a church, that our vision will not just be, we'll just be called to pray, but we'll also be prayed to action. And I'd just like to encourage us as we uh, leave here today and as Richard is encouraging us to praise God this morning. We have been just been given so much. We've been blessed with so many different things. uh, Life and for health and for the ability to think things through for ourselves. May we be like Mary and Martha. May we be like that uh, Jewish expert who would maybe come to faith and trusting in Jesus Christ, because that's the message that we have for all those around us. So our vision, and I hope you understand what I'm saying this morning, is that it's not going to be, we can choose to be a Mary or a Martha, I'm just good at this or I'm good at that. God wants all of us to be involved. And going back to the series on Simplify, do you know what? It is complicated to work out what it is that we can do for God. We want our lives to be full and to live for him. But sometimes there might be some changes that we've got to make. Are there areas, a bit like the words of Jesus to Martha, we've just got a little bit distracted. Are there things that we need to do to come to God and ask him to forgive us, 
because he is the great restorer. He is the one who wants us to live life to the full, both here and in eternity. Let's pray.